Welcome to the Fearless Launching Show. I'm your host, Ann Samoylov. Today, I wanted to talk to you about some of the biggest lessons I've learned in 2016. And what you'll soon find out is that these lessons I've been learning over and over again, constantly coming back to, even over the last several years. So none of this stuff is new for me, but there are always new realizations, new insights into what's working, what's not, how to do things better. And I think you as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's trying to be in this state of constant improvement, I think that it's important to acknowledge when you've learned something because it helps you learn it, and really get it into your system even more. So I'm going to cover basically, I want to say like 13-ish things. A few of them can be combined, but these are things that, that constantly rear their, not ugly heads, but that show themselves to me every single year. So when I get to the end of the year, I really do like to look at what's happened, the decisions I've made, why I've made them, did they things work out the way that I thought they would, um, and just really evaluate myself. So I'm giving myself a report card for the year, really. So number one on this list is that time management is a skill that I need to keep practicing. And it's funny that I say that because I'm in, I've been in so many roles where I've been the person managing someone else, where I'm the one checking in. Did they get something finished when they said they would? And the truth is, is that I've, I'm guilty of wasting tons of time myself. So the way you spend your time is critical as a business owner. And when I realize, I'm like, oh my gosh, too many times did I give myself tasks that literally were not suited for me. And that, that's a whole delegation issue too, which we'll get to in a second. But something took too long. I didn't start it when I said I was going to. I didn't finish it until it was too late to do you know, everything that I really wanted to put into it. So then I end up delivering something that I'm not super proud of. But the truth is time management is one of those things that I struggle with for myself. And learning to structure my time is that hardest ongoing Thing I do. Structuring my time, not double booking, canceling appointments. And sure, there, there are the normal things that come up in life, which you really can't plan for, like illness, like somebody going into the hospital or whatever. But making sure that I know when I'm most effective and I'm better at not wasting the time and working even when I don't feel like it are are really key skills that I've tried to become more aware of. Not overthink them, but just say, ooh, I just wrote five blog posts and it's Saturday morning. Maybe I should try this again next week to see if that works then too. And believe me, it's so easy to get sidetracked with a new strategy, a tool, maybe a newly released planner. So time management is one of those things that That's why I do the top three on Periscope. I'm going to start going back to, I think, at least three days a week because it was helping me as well, like time management, nine o'clock, get on Periscope, share your top three, get everybody else's top three, and then get to work. So I need to practice it as well. And I will also say that time management is one of those key skills that people overlook when it comes to launching and creating new products and getting new things out to your audience. Time management is critical. And it's not that you can actually manage the time, but you can manage yourself within that time. So next up, the next realization is I can't do it completely alone. So go back in time and watch Anne 
as if you were a fly in the woods of Vermont <laughs> as I grew up. And you'd see me struggling to, let's say, hike up a mountain in Vermont. I remember we were hiking something. It was like a hike mountain day or something like that at our school. And I would literally not take a helping hand from anyone. I swear my first words in life must have been, I can do it myself. I don't need your help. No joke. No joke. Seriously. I'm not even joking you. And even now, it's interesting when I see my daughter doing the same thing. And it's not because, and I offer her help. So I try now to just like let her ask me for help and remind her, you can always ask for help. Now, now that I'm working to build my own business, I do push myself every single day to ask for help, even on the small things. So even when I finish a blog post late because I'm not managing my time well, I feel bad about handing it off to the team because I'm the one who made it late. So I think I need to be the one who puts it up. But you know what? I don't. I hand it off to my team. The post can go up late, but I'm not allowed to do it. And there are some... You know, if I have like a surprise post that I decide to do on the spur of the moment, which has happened, then yes, I do that because if someone's not actually available and I want it done, then I do have to do it. But now, even as I'm prepping for the next Fearless Launching launch, and for those of you who don't know, that is my signature program. That's the program I launch two times a year. I'm insanely passionate about helping entrepreneurs figure out their their kind of like key key and I'm like twisting the key in the lock, their key to launching, that this asking for help is even more critical. So I had to have a production meeting with myself, <laughs> no, no joke, and remind myself why launches didn't go as well or in a way I wanted them to in the past. So I just did this for myself. And was it because of my expectations? Maybe. Or maybe my reluctance to add someone into the process while there was still time to delegate. So we're doing a lot of that right now where I'm saying, if you want this, who can do this? So I'm, I'm really even practicing giving off small things to other people. Number three, this one's a tough one, and it is that you are the only one who really cares about your business in the way in like you're going to be the one who cares the most. This is a hard lesson, but, and I know that there are, there always are going to be people who do care about what you're doing, but I can tell you from someone who I was in Laura Roeder's business and I looked at that company as my own. I still kind of sometimes do. And, and I haven't, I haven't worked there for a couple of years. And even I always knew in the back of my mind that it wasn't my business. It was somebody else's. So once you learn this, though, you get to let go a little bit in the micromanaging department because there's almost nothing in your business, if you're working online especially, that can't be changed. Nothing is permanent. Web pages can be taken down. A tweet or a Facebook thing can be deleted. An email apology can be sent. Now, you might have deal breakers in your business that you don't want to overlook, and, and that's okay too. But when it comes to things like content or anything on the web, most of the time you can fix those. But just like you should be able to let go a little on those things, you can also set the standard for how you want your team to communicate with people, how you want web pages to look, how you want uh, what headline fonts you use. You do get to dictate what should never be said or what should always be said. But remember that in the heat of a launch, 
you might think everyone, this is another thing too, you might think everyone should be on call for your emails and your hashtag crazy, crazy launch texts, but they might be busy with their families or other clients and simply off doing something else. And your webinar email that you neglected to get to them needs to be loaded. Well, guess what? Sometimes, even if you set up the expectation that people need to be available during that certain time, it never fails that someone seems to not get the memo. (laughs) So remember that it's your business, and even the most devoted employee does not care as much about the company as you do. That's really important, and it doesn't mean that they don't care. It'll help you work on your launches and promotions earlier. You'll be able to give yourself plenty of time to rebound from any hiccups, and you won't take it so personally and so deeply if you understand this one fact. It doesn't mean you should accept shoddy work. Please don't misunderstand that. But it is important to note like, okay, well, it will make you think next time, is this something I should do? Um, The next thing that kind of comes up, and it actually came up a lot this year, was that I need to stop trying to do so much. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received, hands down, and I call upon this a lot, is that you don't have to do so much in your business. You should think about the top three things every day that will push your business, your launch, whatever, forward, and not be all busy work. (laughs) Like maybe your blog post is a promotional piece that will eventually help sell something in your business. But it doesn't have to be, you shouldn't be filling this top three with busy work like social media, blog posts, or um, just kind of like daily tasks that make you feel busy. So you should think about your top three things every day that will A, push your business forward, B, deepen your relationship with your current audience, and C, help you reach new people. So focus on the few things that really make a difference. And Stop trying to create all the content, be on all the social media platforms, and hit every single format. Focus on the few things that will really make a difference and pay attention to how people are finding you. You might discover that that Periscope is the place people are finding you the most, or maybe YouTube, and you haven't even done a video in three months. It will really help you dictate what you do in your business and that you don't actually have to do it all. And there's plenty of examples of people who stopped blogging, stopped making videos and still, you know, whatever, were growing their business. Next thing, kind of along the same line is stop trying to sell so much. I've got friends who sell multiple products in certain categories. They do really well. And I've got friends who are focused on one product and they do really well. Now, depending on what industry you're in, why not try to focus on the one type of product at least? So I understand that if you're in the planning community or you're in scrapbooking or you're, let's say, in a, um, I don't know, the knitting community or something like that, some sort of crafting community, there is a sort of, you like having a store kind of like in like a real online store. So there might be multiple products, but try to stick to at least one type of product or maybe the one product you could become known for. I don't think having like a full list of products is necessarily going to make you more money. And just remember that. So 
the reason I'm so focused on fearless launching, especially for 2016, is because I want to be known and continue being known as the hashtag launch boss. I'm the person to go to if you are launching something online, if you haven't been able to get it launched for whatever reason, if you know what you're doing, but you still can't seem to get it launched, I'm the person to come to. And that's why I'm making some big changes come 2016 when I'll only be offering one launching product. That means... Like I told many of you a few weeks ago, the smaller intro level launch products will be removed from my shop. So that's kind of like a little leak. But if you are thinking about grabbing one of those, which they are the lower priced ones, now would be a good time to grab those. So the launch walkthrough um, is the main one that fits into this category. But I've just found that too many products in that one area are kind of competing against against each other. In fact, I might not even offer fearless launching solo anymore. It just depends. So definitely head over to the shop if you want to even know what those are. And this is one thing I love. And I think I heard it this year mostly from uh, John Lee Dumas and Kate from Entrepreneur on Fire. Focus. Follow one course until successful. So if you need help figuring out what to focus on for 2016, I highly recommend, you know, this is one thing I would say, attend my upcoming launch map mastermind. I didn't intend to be like slipping all these sales messages in here. It just happened that way. So I apologize. This is definitely not a sales podcast, but I recommend you attend that because when you put that map out, when you start popping in all those things you're going to want to do, you're going to want to sell, you're going to realize how much you're spending the year selling, which isn't a bad thing necessarily, but you might be selling more than you really need to. And maybe you can focus on the best performing things and sell those more. All right. So The next one is a near and dear lesson that I have to remind myself of and I remind fearless launchers of all the time. Make your CBB list. CBB means could be better. If you're anything like me, you're an idea machine. Oh my gosh, you have all these ideas, then they lead to more ideas and you've got this whole marketing plan or idea for your launch. One piece of content leads to 10 more and an idea for a webinar and you want to do this and a 30-day challenge, but there are only so many hours in your day. You know this. I know this. We all know this. And one of the pieces that keeps me sane during my launches is my ability to prioritize what gets done now and what gets put on the CBB list. So if we have time, we'll revisit this thing on this list, or it doesn't happen until next time. And you're okay with that. It's like you're an artist. Think about yourself as an artist, no matter what you're selling. And that your painting really is never done. Your piece of art is never going to be done. You could finish it now, deliver it to a client. And if it happened to end up in your hands again, you'd be like, oh, that could use a little bit of a highlight there and there. This is something I've I've kind of taken with me from the animation world when I was producing. And I say now, while you're creating content, executing all the ideas you've got, you'll want to keep twe- tweaking them until you're happy. I know this. But because there's only so much time in the day, you need to make 
a list of all the things that aren't necessarily perfect yet, but are good to go. They could be better, but they are good for now. They are good to deliver. And I actually create my CBB list every single week working up to the launch. And I say, "Mm, do I really need to do that? Instead of just carrying it over naturally to the next day or the next week, I full on just go in and ask, do I actually need to do this? Is this a needle mover for my launch? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, And I try to be as ruthless as I possibly can and add things to my CBB list, schedule them for when I do want to try to look at those CBB lists again. And by the way, CBBs, it's a really great you know, if you can finish everything for your launch, let's say, and you're you're kind of ahead of schedule somehow, which doesn't happen often when you're launching, but if you are, let's say, you could say, you know what, we've got a week left. Let's look at our CBBs. Let's see what else we can push to make this better. Or we've got an extra, we've got someone who's done with all their work. Let's see what else they can do. Oh, and by the way, I've actually created my first ever planner printable and it's this CBB list. So I'm going to, there should be, if, if you're reading the blog, you'll see an image of it and I'll definitely show you how to get that. So the CBB list is pretty simple, but it's critical. I think, um, it's critical if you want to be able to move forward and many people can't move forward because they're trying to get their ducks in the row. They're trying to get everything working and the system's all correct and everything must be perfect before we open the doors. And guess what? You're not going to open the doors (laughs) if you keep doing that. Okay. So next lesson, track your numbers, track your money. And if you, (laughs) this is a hard one because if you're, if you aren't the type of person who likes to stick to a monthly budget and I don't, my husband and I never did. We would just be like, yeah, we're good. We're good. Until we had a home and we had, you know, lots of different expenses associated with a house. We never, actually now we don't even really keep a budget. And I think that's crazy. Um, We've both started like looking at Mint and like looking, I mean, I think he has a different um, piece of software now. So he can kind of see how much are we spending on different categories of things. And that's really great. But tracking your numbers in your business is super important because you need to know what's happening. So that doesn't mean just your money. You can track your list growth to your incoming, as well as your incoming and outgoing money. So it's just good to know where the money, where the numbers are flowing. And you have to do this because the money tracking first helps you do something you have to do as a business owner, which is pay taxes. But it also tells you where you might be able to cut expenses and also tells you how much launching and running your business actually costs you. Those are important numbers to have because you might you might be wondering why at the end of the year it feels like you made nothing. Well, if you looked at your overhead, maybe you'd realize you spent a little too much on this, that, and the other thing. All important information to track. And if you don't measure where you are, you don't set goals to where you want to grow, you won't grow. Simple as that. And my trick, by the way, isn't to look at the number itself because I can badger myself and be like, man, I didn't grow any more than I wanted to last year, blah, blah, blah. My trick is to look at the growth, the change in the numbers instead of the exact numbers themselves. Now, of course, I look at the numbers, but looking at the growth, the percentage of growth, the amount we grew, this keeps me moving the needle in the right direction. This keeps me focused on those things that I know affect those numbers. 
All right, we're getting personal now. So the next thing is that you need a place where you can vent and trust. I'm someone who tends to work alone, not take advice. I hole up in my cave for days to create new things, come up with plans on my own. And this has been the case for me. This is my work style. I was doing this in film school. I wouldn't talk to anybody about my script. I would write my script. I'd have my idea. And I would pass it into the teacher. I would make some adjustments based on feedback. I'm not against getting feedback. But I wasn't one of those people who was sharing my papers with friends in the hall or my roommate. Because honestly, I liked to create in private. And I think that's okay. However, 2015 marked the first year that I let my guard really down, surrounded myself with some amazing women who now have a full, complete picture of me. And I think it was a good exercise. I mean, I don't pretend I have it all together. I don't need to really. And we share the good days, the bad ones. And yes, there are bad ones, not the trying or challenging ones only, but the really just sucky kick you in the gut days. So I do think surrounding yourself with people you trust, who love and support you and who get what you do is hugely important. And it's not like I share every little process with them. This is more of just the human connection that you need as an entrepreneur. Being being an entrepreneur is something my husband does not get. He just doesn't. He still doesn't get it. He, if I make even one complaint, he'll think I'm ready to quit. Little does he know that I'm, I'm in it to win it. So he loves having a job. So I always need to find different ways to vent and, 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 and usually they're my business besties. So that's, that's that. Um, hire earlier than you're ready. This is one thing that I wasn't sure if I was going to include because I have some mixed feelings about this lesson, but I know for me, I wish I had hired earlier because I feel like there's been some bad habits emerging from how I work, meaning after a while of working on your own, it's hard to tell people how to do what you do. But if you start that way, if you say, okay, here's my blog post, load it, and you just give them a list of everything to do when a blog post gets loaded, it's a lot easier. For some reason, if you get in the habit of doing everything yourself, it's just, it's a really bad habit to break. And I waited a while to hire anybody and I shouldn't have because I do think hiring people helps you grow. It isn't necessarily the easiest thing though, because people leave, people flake, People, uh, you know, just disappear. And that's happened to me. That's happened to many people. And and it's very difficult as the business owner to, like, for me, it's easy because I was already managing people for many years. But for someone who hasn't been in that role, you pour all of your heart and soul into people and train them, get them up to speed. And then two weeks later, they leave and you're like, what the heck? So everything I just did for the last month is just now wasted. So it can be very damaging to you. So I feel like the best thing to do when you're when you're getting getting that feeling that you want help is hire people to do things that are kind of standalone. They won't need you too much for it. Like research, like um, 
transcribing, like converting videos and MP3 files, very one-off tasks. That's something that I've done in the past. I also do think that finding a, a process, like let's say posting to my blog post, and because a blog post isn't just the text, it's also the images, maybe pulling out a quote, maybe a tweetable, maybe it's also scheduling some social media, maybe it's Maybe it's like just preparing the whole thing in a specific way. And that really, that's been a great process for me to hand off finally again, because I was doing it before, but I just, you know, there's, there's this feeling like, I just don't want to deal with telling you how to do it, you know? And so I think the sooner you get used to telling people how to do things, handing off things, the better, even if they might flake on you, even if you're not sure how long-term they are, the skill that you need is to find people and then to delegate your work. The next lesson that I want to say I've learned and kind of re-seen this year in many of my clients, many of my students in Fearless Launching, is that this... Flip the switch when you want to start, want to, and start without having your ducks in a row. So, what does that mean? Well, this is this is a hard this is a hard thing. A lot of people want to make sure that everything is perfect in their business before they reach out to do guest posting or they get on podcasts. Even that, even that, because they know that they're going to have to send people back to some place. If Let's say you want to start talking about a topic. For me, this whole flipping the switch, I know it works. I know you don't, like, yes, you do have to still build up people's knowledge of who you are, but you can flip the switch right away. You don't have to slowly fade in or make sure everything's set up. For instance, when I first launched Fearless Launching, I didn't have a free opt-in. I did four blog posts, I did a webinar, and I enrolled, I think, 25 people into the first round without too much of a list. I think I had 500 people on my list. And I was working full-time with Laura Roeder. So I didn't wait. I just flipped the switch. I thought what took me a long time, took me a long time to flip that switch. But once I did, I was like, oh, I can just start talking about whatever I want to talk about and just do it right away. So start the, do the Periscope, start the online challenge, start the, start those little things that you want to do. Even if you don't have everything ready, what is the simplest version of that thing you can start doing? Okay. Maybe you want to do a 30 day challenge. Maybe it's just going to be an Instagram challenge to start with. All you need for that is a graphic and the prompts. Same thing with Periscopes. Just start getting on Periscope. So what if people don't have a link to go back to you right away? So what? You still get on there and still get to know people, still let them hear what you're all about. And two things that are so related, I might as well just call them one thing, and that is you can quit, cancel, and backtrack anytime you want because when something isn't working, you get to say, no, I think we're good here. And I've seen that proven over and over and over again. So for instance, I might 
see, I might have worked with a client, I did work with a client or two that thought they were going to launch at a specific time. And then they realized, nope, I can't. I don't want to launch here. It's not feeling right even. Like you can even base your quit. You're quitting, you're canceling something, you're changing course completely on a feeling. Because guess what? You get to. You get to do that. So that's what I want to say to you is that you're not stuck in anything. There's so many people who are afraid to plan and put dates on the calendar because they're, they're I don't know, I think some people are afraid of letting themselves down, of putting it out there and letting other people down. I know that when I've signed up for things like, let's say, a 30-day challenge and wanted to really do well at it, I, I, I kind of failed from the get-go because I was like, the second I say I'm doing this, I'm going to flake or something. Like I'm not, I didn't have confidence that I could go follow through. It wasn't related to business. And you know what? I set myself up for failure. Uh, one of the things that was so funny that, that someone said to me recently was, well, if you think you can't do it, you actually can't. And I know that's such, that's not a phrase I haven't heard before, but I thought to myself, you know what? You're right. I can do this. And I am definitely that person who's always like, I'm flipping the switch. I'm doing it. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do this because people will catch up. Some people will take longer to find you and that's okay. Do what you want in your business. If something doesn't feel right, quit, cancel it, whatever. But ask yourself the question, ask yourself why. If you're canceling because of fear, I don't think that's a good enough reason. (laughs) Always. But if you're canceling because something legitimate like, look, We're trying to do this, but I want to have this many people on my list before I actually open the doors. Boom. And yeah. So so you can make your decisions based on data. You can base it on feeling, but don't base it on fear. That's the only thing I will say. You 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 can't cancel it. You can't weasel out of something because you're afraid. I won't let you. So... And by the same token, backtracking isn't always bad. Just because someone tells you that you should start with one-on-one coaching, then move to scaling it to a group program, doesn't mean that. You can even decide, like after you've been doing a program for many years, that you want to all of a sudden do one-on-one coaching. And you're like, no, I want to go the other direction. I I don't want to get further away from people. I want to get closer to people. That's what I did this year. And it really has, has been a blessing to really connect with more deeply with some of the people who have been inside Fearless Launching. So I know we went from like more specific to more personal stuff at the end, but as you can see, these are some of the things that I I think about. And I, I do think that being a successful entrepreneur and a successful business owner, it takes a little bit of cojones and just self-belief that it's going to happen. And you just, it's not like you're going in blindly, but you have to be the one who builds your own confidence up. You can't wait for those external forces to do it for you. So I like to acknowledge the things that really kept coming up this year that have come up in the past years for myself. And I would love to hear from you. What is your biggest lesson from this year? I want to know, and I, I want you to come, I want you to come to my mastermind next week. If you're listening to this, um, before December 17th, head over to Ansamorlove, actually head over to bit.ly forward slash plan with me launch, all one word, all lowercase. 
and come to my live class. It's a steal. It's not a crazy investment at all. In fact, it's literally just so that you have some skin in the game, that you are committed to making a plan that's going to work for you for the new year. And we're going to talk more about some of these things, and I'm happy to answer more of your questions. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was a little different, a little bit per- more personal, and I'm sure there's going to be more lessons I'm going to learn and I'm going to share with you as well. So have a lovely, lovely rest of your week. And oh my gosh, the holidays are here. I'm so excited. Only a few more weeks of 2015. Have a lovely day and I will speak to you soon. <laughs>